My dog shits cash. Part 3. From the dog, the cash was beshitted. The little man was called Paolo. You may have gotten that from the previous chapter, in which there was a business card that read Paolo Chihuahua. The taller one, the older brother, was called Ernesto Chihuahua. Weird names for two English boys of Polish heritage, but it was all for show, for the branding. Chihuahua wasn't their real surname, of course, but it worked for their gimmick, and so they were sticking to it, even forcing out terrible fake accents which were supposed to be South American, but Paolo's came out like an accent from a European country that didn't exist, and Ernesto's changed country of origin with every other syllable. The brothers Chihuahua were actually Daniel and Michael Novak, and they were brothers. From their faces you would think nothing but. From forehead to chin, cheek to cheek, they were identical, as if they'd been developed from the same mould. Or perhaps their faces had been quite different at first, but in time had gradually met halfway. To see the face of either brother would not be enough to tell you which one you were looking at, but almost every other aspect of the brothers would. Where Paolo was short, Ernesto was tall. Where Paolo had dark, angry little wet locks glued to his scalp, Ernesto had blonde curls delicately fixed and folded and feathered. And where Paolo spoke in staccato bursts like a man experiencing back pain, Ernesto spoke calmly in soft legato phrases that rolled around one another. Everything he said sounded like a compliment or that of a man enjoying an exquisite yoghurt. Together, in their transit van, they drove away from the dog walker, left him to pick up the pieces. They left the park, drove away from the browning horizon of trees and deeper into town, turning away from the concrete jungle of council flats and towards the Peafield Estates, the part of town where people own their own homes, had more than one car, and likely went on vacation more than once a year, where the better half lived. Maybe the brothers could have waited on that same field for the next dog walker to appear for another inspection, but it wasn't looking fruitful. They tried those fields many times over and had yet to strike gold, nor oil, nor the next big cryptocurrency, nor the thing that would change their lives. I don't want to say it, Paolo, but you were a little, you know, a little meanie bobini pants back there. You could have asked politely to look through his dog's mess, perhaps, yes? Ernesto drove with hands at ten and two on the wheel, his head tilting left and right as he spoke. I did ask fucking politely, any more politely than the man would have thought I wanted to suck his dick, eh? I'm just saying that maybe you scared the gentleman, yes? And he was a potential customer too. I don't want to tell you about our last Yelp review. I seen it. Okay, so you know about the complaint? I didn't mean to make his dog cry. Dogs don't even cry. That's a human thing. Well, this one did. I'm not entirely certain that you shouldn't have told the doggy in question that you were going to eat it. I wasn't gonna. Well, the dog didn't know that. Akia Picanto overtook them and Paolo rolled down the window. He went to shout something, but saw Ernesto eyeing him. He regained his composure and wound the window back up. So, where to next, eh? You want to hit the man of fields? I think I saw a promising bitch down on the recreation grounds eh, the other day. 
think it's about time for their hawkies around now. I think not, uh, dearest brother. We have a ten o'clock with a samoyed, a full wash, brush and dry, a pep talk and snout massage. A samoyed? But those things are so hairy. Fucking hell. Uh, I'll tell you what's hairy, Paolo, is living on the edge of bankruptcy. That fucking bitch. Yes, I know. She stuffed us up. Stuffed us up. She cocking bent us over and rammed it down us and I could still taste the fucking I know, I know. Old dirty ho- Yes, I'm aware. Stinky cut. Aha, we are here. Ernesto and Paolo stepped out of the van, all smiles and waves, patting down their cream-coloured overalls. The lady, Mrs. Dutiful, waited for them by her front door, holding onto an enormous bear of a dog by the collar. Well, hello, 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 uh, said Paolo. What lovely creatures do we have here, then, eh? The dog shook excitedly, and tufts of white fur blew upwards. It was going to be a big job. It would take several hours to do. Paolo would be coughing up chunks of its fur for the next week. Somewhere inside his mind, he was digging his teeth into its neck. Thick blood soaking into the white cotton fur as he pulled it apart like candy floss and cake. The office where Nathan worked was a large concrete cube in the middle of a never-ending car park that always smelled of melting plastics and recently sawed wood. Other cubes dotted the industrial complex, all of them identical to one another, all of them without windows and only a single door. It was very easy to get lost. Walk the complex at the right time and you might see one of the many stray businessmen, wandering listlessly, looking for their office, or their car, or a place to charge their phone. Nathan had heard stories. One girl on Nathan's team, in customer support, said that she knew someone who was bitten by one of the stray businessmen. It was an emaciated thing with a mangy beard and a Bluetooth headset sticking out of its pus-crusted ear. It confused the person for a vending machine and tried to order a bag of crisps for an office snack. When no crisps came, the biting began. Nathan had never been bitten by a man in a suit. In all honesty, the strays barely even noticed him. It was giving him a bit of a complex. Hello, my name is Nathan Alabaster, and you're through to Motivation Nation, the place where we help put the U is in the letter U, in success. Are you calling about the upcoming Terry Rowling's Awaken the Man Inside book tour or our regular courses and online workshops? Nathan dribbled out the speech like it was sour baby food. That sort of thing, he added. Winnie trotted alongside as he walked towards the office building. You have things that make people more? Yeah, more better. Nathan pulled up his jeans again. They were so tight they didn't quite fit around his waist, so he'd had to leave the top button undone. At Motivation Nation, we, uh, we help people win. Nathan embellished the word win with a half-hearted wave of his fingers. And do you win? No, <laughs> no. He chuckled as if it was a stupid question. No, I don't get to win. Oh. She whimpered and they stopped for a moment. Nathan petted her head. That's all right, I'm, I'm used to not winning, Winnie. She looked at him like he was some abstract concept, a human formerly known as Nathan. 
Perhaps she just didn't recognise this sad sack of shit who used to be her best friend. Don't worry, Nathan said, dropping to his knees and playing with her ears. I thought I could be someone who wins once, a while ago, but at some point I realised it was never meant to be. You don't think things will get better? Nathan genuinely thought about it. He sniffed the cold air. I honestly don't know. Gently, she licked him on the nose. This close to her face and in the daylight, Nathan saw that there were grey hairs on her snout. Just a few. Her eyes, too, were a little milkier than he remembered. Age appeared to be catching up to her, something he never thought possible. One day she won't be here, he realised. The dog always dies at the end. She bent down, lapped up dirty water from a puddle. One more reason that hasn't happened yet. Still counts. His watch beeped. 8.55am. Five minutes until work. We gotta go, he said. A car parked up nearby as Nathan and Winnie speedily walked the grass-bordered footpath to his building. They stopped by the back, weighted by the bins. You can't come inside, Nathan said, blowing some warmth into his hands. Why? No dogs allowed. Are you sure? Yes. Have you asked? Yes. Nathan rubbed his palms together. Okay, I haven't asked, but I don't need to. I know what the answer will be, so no, you're not coming inside. Winnie offered a paw. I said no. She put the paw down. So I'm just supposed to sit here? Sure. Or you could go home. If you come with me. Nathan's numb fingertips slowly filled with feeling. I can't go back there. Absently, Nathan licked the back of his hand. He caught himself and looked back to Winnie. Stay here, Win. Please. Nathan took a step towards the office door. So did Winnie. Stay, Win. Stay. He took another step and this time, Winnie did not. Nathan walked on, eyeing her over his shoulder, watching as she sniffed a pile of flattened cardboard boxes and laid down by the recycling. Nathan checked his watch. 8.57am. Taking in a deep breath, Nathan continued around the building and entered through the single glass door. Inside, he kept his eyes on the carpet, tried to avoid stepping on any gaps in the tiles as he walked by the reception desk, managed to avoid eye contact with Davy Gage, the receptionist who secretly hated him. The elevator door dinged open, and inside he saw Karen Jeopardy from HR and Darren Semedy, the CTO of the company. Behind them were a handful of the dark-suited, pointy-shoed management team. Nobody knew how many people were in the management team, but you could always be sure of one thing. There were more people who were in the management team than people who were not in the management team. That's a bad combination, Nathan thought. When HR and management got together, terrible things happened. Bad Juju followed. Bad Juju handled the disciplinaries, and according to her LinkedIn profile, She was also an avid cyclist. Karen, Darren and the management team emerged from the elevator and quickly Nathan ducked and rolled behind a concrete pillar, then snake crawled into the stairwell. He listened to see if anybody followed him. Nobody did. Nathan would be lying if he didn't admit that it hurt his feelings a little. Nobody ever followed him anywhere. The stairs were quiet. He walked up three flights, sweat beaded on his forehead. He caught his breath, 
gently pushed open the door and peeked through at the open plan office. He scanned for allies. The office floor was filled with islands of desks, separating teams and departments, all of them already full of people readjusting their headsets, preparing for the workday to begin. Some drinking instant coffee from stained mugs, others doing their morning stretching routines, a couple meditating, lighting incense sticks, one touching his toes, another touching somebody else's toes, one guy trimming his nose hair with an electric razor, a woman reciting her affirmations into a pocket mirror, another burning her quarterly sales goals transposed into chaos magic sigils, and one guy watching Joe Rogan podcasts as he punched himself repeatedly in the testicles. Everybody had their pre-work rituals. Nathan, for example, liked to write a to-do list. He never put anything on there, but he was always happy to tick it off at the end of the day. There, at the far side of the room, was Ron from the sales department stood by the printer. He was drumming paradiddles on his pockets as he printed out endless reams of paper. Well, hey, he said, as the printer spat out another completed page. Checking the coast was clear, Nathan scurried to his desk and sat down, his chair rolling and spinning into position. As Ron turned around from the printer, Nathan ducked behind his monitor. Huh? Well, hey, another page complete. Ron turned back around. Nathan was in the clear. The desks to his right and his left were empty. Where the hell are Ivan and Louise, he wondered. In fact, where the hell are the rest of my team? You're all alone again, he whispered in a sing-song voice to his reflection in the monitor. He waited a moment, then wiggled the mouse and the computer came to life. It was 8.59am. He saw his email inbox and his extra inbox and the bonus inbox and his spam folder. Oh, and the more spam folder. All of them full and filling still. His desk creaked under the weight of them. His screen distended. All the emails containing something that promised to make his life worse. One titled, This is not a virus. Another, You're bad at jobs. Another, I hate you. Another, I hate you. Part 2. And, Penis and longing. And, Cute cat pictures. And in brackets, You douche. More reasons. Lots more reasons. Nathan's eyebrow twitched and his heart hurt, but it was all going to be okay though. He knew this because Winnie was telling him so, whispering sweet and secret messages to him. Wait, Winnie? He whispered. Yes? Her snout poked out from under his desk. It reached out further and revealed the bottom halves of her almond-shaped eyes. Jesus Christ! In shock, Nathan kicked backwards and nearly lost control of his chair. It rolled out onto the open floor of the office. Grabbing his desk, he pulled himself back into port. Where did... How did... Why did... I just followed your smell. Did anybody see? Everything all right? Said a voice from behind the computer on the opposite desk. It sounded like it was coming from a parakeet. Albeit a parakeet that was experiencing some kind of financial crisis. Hello, Amanda from Customer Support. I didn't see you there, Nathan said, trying not to reveal that his telepathic dog was under the desk. Amanda peeked over her screen. Nathan could just make out the arching eyebrows and disapproving forehead wrinkles. Why do you say it like that? 
you're also from customer support. Her wrinkles wrinkled some more. Yeah, well. Nathan turned down to Winnie, whispered, I told you to stay. And you said you would come back for me. I did not. Wait, when? I don't know. Ten years ago? Amanda continued with the morning chit-chat. Get up to much last night? Well, uh, yeah, I went to the pub with the... Good, good. Weather's not looking very good, is it? No, uh, no, I guess it's getting... Yeah, weather. Yeah, I got caught in the rain. That's nice. Why is she talking like that? Is she dying? No, that's just the way she speaks. I beg your pardon? Amanda replied. I said, um, I said... Did you see the thing on the TV yesterday? Sorry, Nathan, can't talk. Busy, busy. Some of us have jobs to do, yeah? A buzzer rang out and somebody somewhere screamed. It was 9am. The phones burst to life. Nathan's headset blipped. He scooped it up and pulled it over his head. Hello, you're through to Nathan at Motivation Nation, the place where we help put the U, as in the letter U, in success. Are you calling about the upcoming Terry Rowling's Awaken the Man Inside book tour or our regular courses and online workshops? It's Gary. Gary? Gary Wallace. Gary Wallace from Accounts. So you've heard of me? We've met several times. Of course. Winnie shifted beneath the desk. Sounded like she was scratching at the carpet. So, uh... Are you interested in the upcoming Terry Rowland's Awaken the Man Inside book tour or our regular courses and online workshops? They're coming for me, Nathan. Who? Management. They're coming to fire me. Right? Me, Gary Wallace. I've been working at this company for almost six months now and they think they can just throw me away like yesterday's ham sandwiches. Why, he said. Why would they do that? Because they need something to do. Something to manage. If they fire someone, it means they can hire someone else. They do, and therefore they are. They manage, and therefore they're managers. Without the doing, they can't continue to tell people that they are. Get it? It's a fucking conspiracy. Is it? Gary clicked his tongue in agreement. Why are you telling me this? Because I saw their list of names. His voice lowered to a whisper, crackled into the phone mic. And guess whose name was next? Nathan pointed to himself. That's right. After they're through with me, who do you think is going to be next? Nathan pointed at himself some more. Yup. Oh god, but but wait. You know they can hear us, right? They record these calls. They tap the phones? Yeah, for training purposes. Bastards. Amanda's eyes peered over her screen again. Nathan ducked down. I can't get fired, Gary. I need this job. I'm already defaulting on my phone payments. I need new trousers, Gary. Trousers! You know how much new trousers cost these days? I'm genuinely asking you. I can't remember the last time I've had to buy trousers. Nathan eyed the rest of the office floor, checking to see if he was being watched. Don't worry. Gary Wallace from account said. I have a plan. If it works, just do as I do. What are you going to do? They can't fire Gary Wallace. If they can't find Gary Wallace. If you know what I mean. Nathan's throat grew hoarse. A bead of sweat ran down into his mouth. Right? Nathan said and or asked. Don't tell anyone, but I'm hiding in the supply cabinets. And if they do come for me, I'll be ready. 
I got all sorts of traps in here, mate. I got staplers and rulers and all kinds of post-it notes. Right. What? You don't think I can build a fucking Rambo death trap out of office supplies? You're out of your mind, mate. Okay, okay, Nathan said. Thanks for warning me. Just remember, don't do anything. Don't do anything out of the ordinary. Those bastards are itching to fire somebody, you know. Nathan nodded. Yeah, you know. Nathan wondered if they would consider his telepathic dog hiding under the table as out of the ordinary. Yeah, you know. Gary repeated. Thanks, Gary. I didn't think you liked me, but I mean, I really appreciate you calling. It means a lot. The call cut. A moment later, Gary's voice belted out from the cabinets at the back of the office. Come and find me. He roared. The people who weren't on call stopped, turned and looked at the only cabinet with the door that was slightly ajar. If you dare. From the cabinets there was a rumbling laughter. It travelled through the walls, the floor and into Nathan's desk. A small plume of dust tumbled from the ceiling, sprinkled the crown of his head. Everybody's gaze followed the laughter as it travelled through the cabinet until it disappeared deeper into the walls and petered out. Three people from the management team, all identical as far as Nathan could tell, emerged from the far side of the office. They walked to the open cabinet. In there, said one. In there, said another. So we're in agreement then, said the third. In there. The first of the management team nodded, ducked down and crawled inside. The second of the management team followed. And the third, this one holding a tablet computer in their hand, closed the cabinet door and locked it shut. They then turned and looked at the staff. This manager cleared their throat and said, Nothing to see back to work. The people of the office did just that, but the office din was noticeably quieter now, everybody secretly listening to whatever was happening inside the cabinets. Nathan's headset blipped. Gary? Um, no. Sorry, Nathan said, realising it was actually a customer. Um, hello, uh, my name is Nathan and you're through to Motivation Nation, the place where we help put the U and the letter U in success. Uh, are you calling about the upcoming Terry Rowling's uh, Awaken the Man Inside book tour or our regular courses and uh, online workshops? Winnie's face poked out from under the desk again. She looked blankly at Nathan. Who is it? She said. Her psychic voice was loud. It drowned out the customer's puny, non-psychic voice. Online. Nathan. Purchased. Why aren't you answering me? Well. It's still connected, right? Bigger. Right. Shh. Nathan said. I beg your pardon? Should I help you today? How would you like it to happen? All right. Well, as I was saying, I recently purchased one of your online products. How to be the bigger man. Naturally, Nathan said, trying to sound professional. More management types walked the office. More every time Nathan looked. They were opening and closing every cupboard, spot-checking drawers and bags, looking for runaway employees and reasons to fire people. Winnie stuck her nose further out, sniffed the air. Nathan pushed it back in with his index finger. A manager walked past. They emptied Ron from the sales department's bag contents onto the desk. It was completely empty. Yeah, I don't need anything really, me. I'm all I need, Ron said before catching eyes of Nathan. Oh, hey Nathan. Still holding Ron's bag, the manager turned to Nathan. Through the thick, pained glasses, their glare was vast and piercing. Something inside Nathan shriveled. I need a wee-wee. 
Winnie said. Just finished the section on getting bigger biceps and bigger balls and was just about to start the bit on growing your smell. The customer continued. And I'd loaded up the homework, but it didn't work. The smell, I mean. I presumed that the video content was scratch and sniff, but I scratched and there was nothing to sniff. What the hell, right? On a side note, there's a scratch mark on my computer screen, which I think might have something to do with your course. I spoke to one of your colleagues earlier today, and... Seriously, I need to eat. Well, you shouldn't have drank all that water from the puddle, Nathan said. What did you just say? Sorry, my colleague was drinking from the office puddle again. You were saying about the refund? Amanda peered over her monitor. Yes, £66, I think it was. I'm weird now. Oh god, please, no. The sound of urine hitting the carpet was abrasively loud. Yes, well, I'm very sorry, but I need that refund. More managers now, crawling on desks, searching. One raised a finger, sniffed, said, I smell pee-pee. All of them resumed their search. Nathan felt their presence behind his back. Shivers ran down his spine. Somebody somewhere was walking on his grave, or urinating on it. Are you still there? The customer said. Yes, sir. I'm just looking into that refund for you now. A manager's hand reached over Nathan's shoulder and opened his top drawer. Inside was an empty pack of mints and a stack of unused company notebooks. And in the next drawer, a small pile of chewed up office pencils. Can I uh, please get your reference number? Nathan continued, his voice trembling. I believe it should be in the confirmation email. Yes, of course. Let me get that for you. Winnie was still peeing. Just intermittent splashes now. Nathan tried to time coughs with the splashes. He kept his eyes on his computer, clicked into the customer management software. The manager's nose slowly poked into his peripheries. Did Nathan see the manager's nose sniff? Could he smell urine? How could he not? I'll say it was me. No, that won't work. There's no hiding urine in these jeans. You still there? Said the customer. Nearly finished, said Nathan. Nearly finished, said Winnie. Mr. Alabaster, said the manager. Oh God, I think I'm finished. Just one more reason. Just one more reason. Just one more reason. More dings from his computer. More emails. The desk groaned. Across the table, Amanda made a tutting sound. From somewhere in the walls, there was a scream. It was painful. Bristled Nathan's neck hairs. Either they'd found Gary Wallace from accounts, or his deadly Rambo trap had worked. Are you there? The customer said. Tut tut, Amanda said. I'd like to see you in my office, the manager said. Now, please. Suddenly, Nathan was pulled away from his desk. The headphones disconnected from his computer. The chair wheels squeaked as he drifted away into the middle of the office floor, leaving Winnie exposed and standing next to a steaming puddle soaking into the carpet gaps. Now everybody was looking. Now there were so many managers. Everybody was a manager but him. Nathan couldn't manage. Nathan could not manage. Nathan turned, tried to stand, but his jeans were too tight. He tried to find the manager, the one who was there only a moment ago. He wanted to explain everything. Anything. The reasons. Surely they'd understand if he told them the reasons. But there were so many managers now, Nathan couldn't make out which was the one that was going to fire him. He spun the chair around on the spot and could only see people who hated him, wanted him to fail, to be dead, and he was nothing but bubbles rising, needing to pop bubbles in his chest, in his throat, building pressure. Why won't the bubbles pop? There was a loud bark. A second later, 
and out stepped Winnie, and all eyes went to her and then back to Nathan. It's going to be okay, Nathan, she said, coming to his side. You don't have to feel that way. Bad dog, Nathan interrupted. You're going to get me fired, and I won't be able to buy new trousers. That's a bad, bad dog. He raised his hand as if to strike her, but stopped when she cowered. He looked at his hand, at the people looking at him, back to his hand, then to his dog, his best friend, the only friend that ever really cared about him, shaking. I think there's as many reasons as you need, right? What else is there? You fucked it, Nathan. I'm sorry, he said to Winnie. I'm really sorry. You've been listening to My Dog Shits Cash, written and narrated by me, Luke Condor, with music by myself, as Duke Rondo, Chris Zabriskie, Ben Duncan, and End Arch Rival. Sound effects were provided by freesound.org and zapsplat.com. For more of my work, head over to lukecondor.com, that's Condor with a K. Uh, be sure to leave a review, tell your friends, and look after your mind and your pets. Until next time. Thank you.